They were going to look at the question, how do I resist temptation? How do I resist temptation? This is a, whether you ask this question or not, you need to know how to resist temptation. Because temptation is something that affects all of us. All of us are tempted in one area of our life or another. All of us struggle with temptations. For some, it may be uh, some sort of uh, uh, food. For others, it may be a nicotine. Others, it may be a drug. Others, it may be uh, pornography. Uh, others, it may be other things. But we all struggle in the area of temptations. And today, we're going to learn how to resist that. Because we want to be able to resist and overcome temptation so we can live a life of freedom. Amen. A, a life that's, that's to the full. A, a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Life to the full. And so that's why we're answering this question. And in a lot of ways, this message is an extension of last week's message where we answered the question. Y'all remember what we talked about last week? I know you do, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. We, talked, we answered the question, where did evil come from? And that's a really good question. And if you missed that, you can go online and check that out. But in that message, we talked about how that too often we blame our sin and our evil behavior on the devil. Matter of fact, everything bad that we do, we say, it's the devil's fault. The devil made me do it. I, I told you last week, I used that excuse a lot as a kid. You know, my parents would get, you know, get, I'd get in trouble. Why did you do that? <laughs> the devil made me do it. I couldn't help it. How many, just how many, by show of hands, how many's ever used that excuse? Hopefully you've matured beyond that. Uh, but uh, you use that excuse, the devil made me do it. Now, we may not hear that a lot as adults, but we still say something very similar. It may not be word for word, the devil made me do it, but indirectly it means the exact same thing. We say things like this, I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't resist. The temptation was too great. But what we're still saying is that something else or someone else or something else made me do it. The temptation was too great. I just couldn't help it. So we're going to learn how to combat that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of James chapter number 1. We actually read this last week. We're going to read it again, verses 14 through 15. It will be on the screen if you can't turn to it quickly enough. It says this, the Apostle James says, But each one is tempted. Here's how we're tempted. We're tempted when we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Now, when I read this, I don't see the devil mentioned anywhere. Now, before you're too quick to judge, I realize that, that he may be behind some of the temptations that we face. I understand that. But ultimately, we sin because we want to. Amen. We sin because we want to. I want to do it. Why did you do that? I can tell you why you did it. Because you wanted to do it. And you wanted to do it badly. You wanted to do it badly. So bad that you did it. <laughs> That's why we, we, we sin. And these two verses right here are so vital to experiencing a life of freedom. Because they show us the process. Everybody say process. They show us the process that leads to sin. And so if we can understand how the process works... I believe that we can, 
learn some keys or some points for resisting and overcoming temptation. So I want to look at those same verses one more time, but this time I want to emphasize five key words, which actually is the the cycle or the stages of temptation. So let's put that scripture up again, this time with some highlighted words. It says, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Now I believe these verses right here show us the cycle and stages of temptation. So let's put those on the screen for you. Desire, enticement, conception, birth to sin, death. This is the cycle and the stages of temptation. It's very important. If you're not taking notes, you need to mentally burn this into your mind. This is the process to temptation. This is the process that leads us to give in to sin. It starts with desire, then enticement, then conception, then it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, leads to death. This is the cycle. So if we can understand this cycle right here, I believe we can learn how to fight against it and overcome it. So we're going to learn this this morning. Now, I want to use for an example and a story to be able to point out this cycle, uh, the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter number 3. We've spent a lot of time in this, in this passage in this series. I think it's very important. Uh, it, you go back to the beginning, you can find out a whole lot. And so Genesis is the beginning. But Genesis chapter number 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. This is the story of, of Adam and Eve and how they fell, how, how that sin uh, came to be into the world and then passed down through all, to all things in the world. It says this, Now the serpent was more cunning, that means shrewd or just deceptive, it is very deceiving, very, very wise, but to the point that he's trying to get you to do evil. More cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Watch this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, that means it's, you ever heard this say it's easy on the eyes? That means that it looks good. And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now I want to use this story and just point out to you those five stages in the cycle of sin and temptation, desire, enticement, conception, birth to sin, and death. The first stage is desire. Everybody say desire. desire. Now, desire can actually be a good thing. Because there are several scriptures in the Bible that implies that it can be good. For example, one of them says, The Lord shall give you the desires of your heart. So uh, my, uh, what I get implied from that is that desire can actually be a good thing. It simply means the definition is a strong longing for something. I, I want this. But in this particular verse, in James chapter number 1, 
it's not good. As a matter of fact, if you look up the Greek word for this, we'll put this on the screen for you so you can spell this out. The Greek word is epithumia. I think that's how you say it. Epithumia. And in other translations, it's translated as the word lust. An overmastering craving to satisfy the flesh. An overmastering craving to satisfy the flesh. In other words, I want that. I have to have it. I got to get it. <laughs> and, and the force of the word is, is not so much about the object of desire being bad as it is the strength of the desire itself. Because what it does is it shows a discontent and an unappreciation for what you already have. And a greed and an envy and a lust for what you don't have. Have you ever noticed that, that, that we as humans, our natural tendency is that we're never satisfied with what we have. We always want something else. Something always looks better than what we have. It's the old saying, the grass always looks greener on the other side. Now verse number 6 of the story in Genesis chapter 3 tells us that the forbidden fruit looked good to Eve. Right? It looked good. And in my opinion, the scenario played out Something like this. And this is, this is, this is my opinion, okay? Um, Adam and Eve are, are, are standing there in the garden. They're looking around at all the, all the tree and all the, all, the, all the fruit on these trees. And they look at the fruit that is on the tree that God told them not to eat from. And Eve probably says something like this. Man, look how good that fruit looks. And then they probably got curious. You know, I wonder why God told us not to eat from that one. I know he's given us all these others, and we know how they taste, and, and they taste pretty good, but I wonder what that one tastes like. You know, I know how all this other stuff works, but I wonder how that works. I know what it's like to be married to a woman who looks like this, but what would it be like to be married to a woman who looked like that? Can you all go with me on this, this parallel? <laughs> if not, it's going to be a long message for you. I can just tell you that right now thinking about how much better that fruit would be than what they already have. Remember, they could eat from every tree in the garden, but of that one, God said, don't eat from it. But they're curious now. What does that taste like? I've never had anything that looks that good. Desire, a strong longing for what they weren't supposed to have. That desire led to the next stage in the cycle of temptation, which is enticement. Everybody say enticement. To be enticed means to be lured or baited into a trap. You could also use the word entrapment there. And, and this is the stage where you start beginning to entertain some of those thoughts that you're having. Not only does the fruit look good, but now you're starting to entertain some of the thoughts of what that would taste like. This is the stage where you start having conversations in your mind as to what it would be like and the fulfillment that you would get from it. Now for Eve and Adam, this conversation was verbal. It, it was audible out loud with the serpent. Okay? Her rational side is saying, this is not a good idea. God told us not to eat from this. He told us we shouldn't do it. In fact, he said that if we did do it, we would die. 
But, but look how this conversation is playing out. Look what the serpent says to her in verse number 4 and verse number 5. He says, you're not going to die. For God, here's the reason why God doesn't want you to eat it, in other words. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see the, the justification he's presenting for, for why this would be okay? And he, here's the reasoning Behind it, but her, her rational side is saying, this is not a good idea. I know I shouldn't do this because God told me not to. But the enemy, in our minds, it's not audible. In, in our minds, it's the, it's, it's the voice that we're hearing that's trying to justify what we're about to do and give us reason to believe that it's okay. Folks, this is how the enemy works. This is how he works in temptation. He'll try to convince you that what you're wanting is Okay. He'll try to give you reasons to justify why you're having those evil desires. And he'll work so hard to convince you that nothing bad will happen. It's exactly what he told Eve. You're not going to die. Come on. That's not going to happen. You're smarter than that. You know how to get away with it. I know so-and-so got caught, but come on, you're smarter than he is. You're smarter than she is. There's another way around it where you're not going to get caught. That's how the enemy works. He'll try to convince you that nothing bad will happen, which leads to the next stage, conception. The desire leads to enticement. You're entrapped. And now conception happens. When you conceive, you are impregnated. What does it mean to conceive? It means that you're eventually going to birth something. Right? We believe life begins at conception. So when you're pregnant, you're eventually going to birth something. Now, here's the, here's the, the strange thing. Conception doesn't always lead to birth right away. It may take time. But it is the catalyst that leads to birth. In other words, birth is going to happen. When you conceive, birth is going to happen. Conception has now taken place. Look at, look at verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3 again. This is the New Living Translation. I'm switching from New King James Version to uh, New Living. It says this, The woman was, say this word with me, she was convinced. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. She was convinced. In other words, she knows like, wow, it's going to make me like God? I want it. Boom. Conception takes place. Now, Conception, the space between conception and birth may be a day, it may be hours, or it may literally just be minutes or even seconds, but it's going to happen. She conceived the moment that she was convinced that it would give her the knowledge of God. So, so now she's like, the action has, has begun. She has taken that next step. I believe it will give me what I want. I'm going for it. The action has been put in motion. Her mind has been made up. Conception. This is when desire becomes actions. This is the stage where you engage in what seems to be unimportant decisions. For example, I know this is not a good example of a fruit, but it's all I got. For example, she, the fruit looked good. She's like, okay, I'm not going to eat it, but I just want to feel it. What does it, it feel like? That feels pretty good. I'm not, I'm not going to eat it. I just want to... Mm. 
So you're taking steps and you're doing things that seem to be unimportant decisions. But they're taking you down a road that leads to indulgence. It seems to be an unimportant decision. You know, I'm not going to look at porn. I'm just going to get online and check my email. Or check my Facebook page. Harmless. I'm just going to go to my room for a moment and, and shut the door and be alone and just relax. I'm just going to go for a drive and look around. Folks, this is, this is how it begins. You, conception has taken place and now your feet start leading you down the road that eventually is going to birth sin. And this is the stage where you're suffering from impaired thinking. You tell yourself the action that you're doing is innocent. Just checking things out. Just, just want to smell it. Just want to feel it. Just want to check my email. Just want to drive around. But your feet are leading you to indulgence. Conception to birth. Once again, it may take days. It may take hours. It may take minutes. Or it may just take seconds. But conception leads to birth, which is the next stage. Birth to what? Birth to Sin. This is where you give in to the temptation fully. You look at the porn. You, you have the affair. You steal the money. You engage in some sort of sinful behavior. Something sinful of some kind. You, you indulge. And, and after this, here's what happens. The Bible says it leads to death. We'll get to this in a minute. But after you sin... It seems like the sin begins to grow stronger and stronger and stronger till you get to your, a place where you say, well, I've already looked once. I might as well keep looking. I've already done this part. I might as well keep going. And the sin gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, I've already gone this far. I just, I just can't resist this. I might as well just keep going, which leads to the last stage, death. And death, in, the, in an ultimate sense, death is the final stop of, of life on this earth. But in the Bible, it's more than that, isn't it? It's a, it's a word that's used to describe the whole process of decay or, or destruction or, or misery that results from, from sin. Broken relationships. Broken marriages. A lost job. A ruined career. A run reputation, maybe even a prison sentence, etc., etc. This is the cycle and the stages of temptation. What started out as a simple desire has blown into this huge destructive event in your life. Desire, enticement, conception, birth to sin leads to death. So, my goal as, as, as teaching you as a pastor is for us to start recognizing these signs that before we get to the broken marriage, before we get to the broken relationship, before we get to the, the losing and ruining of our reputation and careers, that we can recognize these stages, we can recognize the signs, and we, we know what's happening. And we can fight against it. And not just fight against it, but overcome it. Amen. How many realize that we can overcome temptation? So let me share with you real quickly three keys to resisting temptation. I could actually say four because the first one would be to write down these three keys to resisting temptations that I'm about to tell you. 
I'm teaching a whole lot better than you're responding this morning, but that's okay. Here's the first one, first key to resisting temptation. Build barriers. Everybody say barriers. Barriers. Build barriers. Back to the story of, of Adam and Eve. Knowing that they were not supposed to eat from this tree in the middle of the garden. That the result of eating from that tree would lead them to death. Knowing that, they should have built a barrier. Now, what that barrier would look like, I don't know. They, they, they're wise people. They, they could have at least built some sort of a fence or obstruction around that tree to keep them from getting to that forbidden tree. Well, yeah, but Scott, they could have climbed over the fence and still gotten to it. I understand that. Sure, they could have still climbed over the fence and gotten to it, but it would have made the process a lot more difficult, right? Now you're going to have to put some effort can't just walk up and grab the fruit off the tree and eat it. Now you're going to have to climb over a fence or, or walk way around the other side to get through the gate or something. There's a barrier. Say barrier. Uh, there, there's a barrier there that's making it more difficult. Barriers are obstructions in your path to giving in. Of course you can still get there, but barriers make it more difficult. They add more steps to the process of giving in. If you struggle with porn, I know I'm using that word a lot this morning. I can relate to that. Many of you know uh, what God has brought me out of. And for the percentages of people, that, especially men, that uh, engage in this, this is a big deal, so I talk about it a lot. But if you struggle with porn, one barrier might be to set up an adult content filter on your wireless router. But um, just to kind of give you an example, we have one on our, on our router here at church. So anytime that anyone is on our wireless network and tries to search for anything um, adult content related, it will block you. So if you're struggling with this, this temptation, one barrier you could do is set up a, an adult content filter. Now, sure, sure, you could, if you really wanted to look at it badly enough, you could go and, and, and get around that by disabling some settings. But the point is, it's going to require work for you to do it. You're not going to accidentally stumble upon it. You're going to have to go into the room where the router is. You're going to have to get out a network cable and plug in, log in, or do whatever and change the, the, the filter settings on the network. It's going, to take, it's going to be a process. And so what happens is if you know you struggle with something, if it's just readily available, it's so easy to give in. But if you're going to have to work at it, it decreases uh, the odds of you giving into it. You see, it's one thing to accidentally stumble across something and have a moment of weakness and give in to temptation. But it's something different to intentionally disable settings and filters just so you can indulge in it. Barriers. What barriers do you have in, your pl in, in place to protect the things that are important to you? Without barriers, anything important to you is vulnerable. Without barriers, anything important to you is vulnerable. Your reputation, your career, your marriage. You want to help divorce-proof your marriage? Implement some barriers. Build some barriers. If you're tired of giving in to the same temptation over and over, build some barriers. Everybody say barriers. Here's another key to resisting temptation. Number two, think long-term. Think long-term. Remember, the Bible says that the end result is... Is what is, is death. 
especially in the context of sexual temptation. By giving in to sexual temptation, you're setting yourself up to destroy your marriage, your relationship with your children, destroy your relationship with your family. But when you, if you can think... I'm getting some major feedback up here, guys. If y'all can help me out, it would be great. If you can think long-term and think about what's going to happen as a result of your decisions... It's going to help you not give in so easily. So what happens is when you're thinking long-term and you resist temptation, not only are you resisting temptation, but you're protecting your family. Think about that. Not only am I resisting temptation today, I'm protecting my family. I'm protecting my children's legacy, my legacy. I'm protecting, I'm setting them up for, for success in their marriage. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm tired of hearing this, uh, this excuse about generational curses. And what I mean by that is someone that may struggle, I'm going to use alcoholism. Somebody that may struggle with alcoholism will say, well, you know, I'm an alcoholic because my dad was an alcoholic. And his dad's dad was, uh, or his dad was an alcoholic. And his dad's dad and his grandpa was, was an alcoholic. Alcoholism just runs in my family. I understand that, but you can be the man or the woman that puts a stop to that stuff. By standing up and building some barriers and thinking long term, it can stop with you. You you can be the one that stands up in your family and says, you know what, alcoholism stops with me. Porn addiction stops with me. Drug addiction in my family stops with me. The history of divorce that's running in my family, it stops with me. Thinking long term and protecting your family's legacy. And then, Number three, third key to resisting temptation is, is to guard your thought life. Guard your thought life. And, there, and, and I know I'm rushing through this. There's so much really to unpack. I, I challenge you to take these, uh, take these things that I'm giving you today and go back and read this story of, of Adam and Eve and, and, and look, for, look for how these points could have applied in their story. For instance, guarding their thought life. You remember I ha- we highlighted this word uh, last week. I forgot what verse it's in. It's, it's in chapters 2 or 3 of Genesis. But God put Adam and Eve, put Adam in the garden. And he said, I want you to tend to it and I want you to protect it. Guard it. This is your garden. Guard it. Take care of it. Men, your family is your garden. Guard it. Take care of it. Protect it. How do you do that? One way that you can do that is by guarding your thought life. It's amazing that people still don't understand this, and I, I don't mean to belittle anybody, but I, you need to know this. Your behavior is linked directly to your thinking. So if you want to behave differently, y'all know where I'm going with it. You got to do what? You, you got to think differently. You got to learn to think like Jesus, the one who faced every temptation. But never sinned. Did you know that? Did you know that our Savior faced every temptation, but He never sinned? Let me show you this in, in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Verse 15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Listen, this whole Exclusive. well, no one understands what I'm dealing with. No one knows how, how bad this is. Nobody knows the history of my family. This, this, this is natural in my family. 
Listen, it says that we have a high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses. He says, but we have, we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then, because of this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace, listen to this, to help us in our time of need. Guys, there is grace for what you're going through. And I'm not talking about grace as in a license to sin. I'm talking about grace as in the power to overcome sin. It's a big difference. People mess up and fail all the time. Say, well, God's grace is, is good. Yeah. Yes, it is good. But that grace is not a license to do what you want. That grace is the, is the, is the power to overcome that. And I know this morning this sounds cliche, but the key to overcoming temptation is to have the mind of Christ. To think like Jesus. And this happens three ways. These are real quick. I'll close with these three points. Number one, read the Word. Very simple. What are we talking about? Guarding your thought life. Thinking like Jesus. Let's get our minds right. How do we do that? Number one, we read the Word. Here's your scripture. Psalms 119.11. The psalmist David here says, I have hidden... What? I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? Y'all look at this. So I wouldn't sin against you. I'm going to put your word in my heart so I, so I won't sin. Listen. Like an antibiotic fights off um, illness and an infection, God's Word helps resist temptation. And I, can, I cannot give you a better illustration than that right there. You go to the doctor, you're sick, you've got an infection, he's going to give you an antibiotic. You're going to habitually take that, routinely take it, twice a day, whatever, because you want to rid that infection that's causing symptoms and problems in your life. I'm telling you, the Word of God is a medicine. And if you want to overcome temptation, if you want to stop sinning, stop giving in, take your medicine. Read the Word of God. Well, Scott, you're a pastor. That's what you're supposed to tell people. I know. But even if I weren't a pastor, I know it works, guys. When Jesus faced temptation in Matthew chapter 4, he combated the enemy by saying what? It is written. Let's go back to the Word. <laughs> Temptation cannot stand against the Word of God. Get the Word in you. Number two, talking about shaping to our thought lives to be like Jesus. Pray. Prayer. Mark chapter 14, verse 38. Jesus said this. Pray. Very important. Why did He tell us to pray? You guys are quiet. Look at the screen. Why don't he tell you to pray? So you won't fall into temptation? You want to stop falling into temptation? Yes. Your spouse wants you to stop. I want you to stop because I want the best life for you. Then pray. God help me today. Even Jesus, when he was teaching us the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God help me. Help me to... Take the right steps today to not find myself in a tempting place. 
Help me, God. I'm going to establish barriers so I don't go down this road. God, help me. Prayer. And then number three, walk in the Spirit, which comes as a result of doing the first two. Walking in the Spirit. I know some of y'all are like, man, he's, he's getting off into some Pentecostal background there talking about walking in the Spirit. You know, just talking about, woohoo, yeah. Um, it just talk, we're just talking about reading the Word of God and praying and letting the Holy Spirit make the decisions for you. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Look what Galatians 5.16 says. It says this, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Guys, I could not give you better verses to support what I'm trying to teach you this morning. You want to stop giving in to the lust of the flesh, which is the, the, uh, the overwhelming and overmastering craving to satisfy the flesh? Walk in the Spirit. How do you do that? Spend time in the Word of God. Get the wisdom of God. Spend time in prayer. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and make your decisions for you. And you can over. So when we're reading the Word, praying, and submitting ourselves to God, we will be walking in the Spirit, which means that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is a way out this morning. You don't have to keep being victimized by your temptations. There's a way out. Men, there's a way out. Ladies, there's a way out. But you have to make up your mind to get free. Amen? I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment and we're going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for the Word of God. God, and I don't say that lightly this morning. God, I am thankful for the Word of God. The Word is our hope. The Word is our strength. The Word is life. The Word is our medicine that keeps us healthy and and walking and living a prosperous and successful life. God, I thank you that you've given us your Word. Lord, I know that all of us this morning that that we can, um, we can associate with what the message was about today. God, we know we're all tempted in some way. And God, many of us, Lord, this morning are struggling and we've, we've questioned, why am I burdened with this? Why do I keep giving into this? And God, I pray that right now as I have given the points that I believe you've put upon my heart to share, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would seal these points in our hearts and that we would apply it to our lives and win the fight against temptation. God, it's, it's not by might nor is it by power, Lord, but it's through Your Spirit that we'll overcome. And I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's hearing this message today, Lord, that they would implement some barriers. They would think long-term, God, and they would guard their thoughts, Father Lord, so that they can live the life that You've called them to live. And if there's anyone today who does not know You as Lord and Savior of their life, God, that they would start today, that they would say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need You. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me new. And give me your grace to overcome all sin. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Are, you, are you not thankful for the Word of God this morning? It gives us the power. Amen. We, give the Lord a hand clap this morning.